Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. As always, thank you and shout out to my executive producer, Andre Settles, with Settle Solution Media, helping to make this podcast possible. I am humbled and excited for today's guest. We have Vietnam veteran, world traveler, car racer, bicycle racer, professional speaker, award-winning author of the book, Tenacity. You don't have to get lost in Nepal to find yourself, but it helps. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Keith Redison on the podcast. Keith, thank you for joining us. You're quite welcome. This is exciting for me to be with you today. Oh, it's exciting to have you. And first, thank you for your service. Secondly, I know I rattled off so many things that you've done. You've accomplished so much in your life. And I know the listeners are already excited to hear from you. But I always make sure that the guest has an opportunity to address the listeners, tell them a little bit about themselves, give them a quick idea of who they are and what brings them here today. So please, Keith, the floor is yours. Well, at 73 years old, I got a lot I could say. <laughs> you opened the door there to a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, it's a 30-minute podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. I needed about 30 hours. No, just kidding. I was kind of a lost kid. It took me a long time to really start to find my place in the world. And I bounced around a lot from job to job before I went to Vietnam and even after I got back. And college wasn't really what was meant for me. I couldn't sit in a classroom, especially after Vietnam. And I bounced around a lot. I was a mechanic at uh, gas stations and I worked in grocery stores and all kinds of things. And I found a home, if you will, in the insurance industry. I joined New York Life in 1975 and I was with them for 26 years. And I really enjoyed learning how to work with people with their finances, especially people that were young, that were trying to get their lives started and look at the wonders of investments and insurance and what they can do for somebody with their life. And so I've kind of been a person of service most of my life, but it wasn't until I went back to college after I retired from the insurance business, that I cared about studying. And suddenly I was like this gigantic sponge. I couldn't get enough of it. And I was 54 years old and I had all these 18 year olds working for me on the college newspaper. I was the editor of the college newspaper. What a hoot. God, we had so much fun. Pizza and Cokes after putting the paper together. And I took him out to learn how to do marketing and whatnot. So all of those kinds of things added up to learning to have curiosity about life. And while I was in school, it started to dawn on me that what was really important in life were the words that we lived by. And I decided to take a trip in the mid 90s to go to Nepal with a girlfriend of mine. She had just broken up with her boyfriend. I had just come out of a divorce. My business was kind of uh, fluctuating. And so we decided to go to Nepal together. And we traveled for almost a month and got to see a lot of Nepal, climbed up uh, to about 19,000 feet in the Annapurna Sanctuary, much like what's uh, behind me here in Colorado. And 
three years later, my life had not improved that much. It was still kind of stagnant. I wasn't doing that well in my insurance business. I was really needing to get some more things going. And I decided to go back to Nepal by myself because I had kind of hit that midlife crisis, mid-career crisis that a lot of people hit. And when they hit that, it's dumbfounding because you all of a sudden, you're like you're walking through mud. You don't know how to get your speed up. You can't find yourself. So I decided, as my title of my book says, you don't have to get lost in Nepal to find yourself, but it helps. I got lost at the end of my first day of my trek. And I was lost then for four more days. And, and that the book chronicles this, but it, it also talks a lot about all of the things that led up to this trip and what caused my midlife crisis and my mid-career crisis. And so as I journaled each day while I was lost, I discovered that four words started to stand out as I would look back at the page, you know, the day before in my journal. And all of a sudden, I'm starting to notice that tenacity, resilience, imagination, and purpose were starting to become more and more frequent in my writing. I love to write. It's been in my bones since day one. And I love to journal. Journaling is a great place to be able to find out who you are and what you're about. And people that don't journal are missing out on on a real close aspect of that self-awareness, self-exploration step. And I'd encourage your listeners to do do a journaling class if they can to learn how to do it. Those four words formed the basis of what then became my speaking program years later. And that's when the book got published and the trip system, the trip communication system was born out of that book. Even though it wasn't something I planned, it just happened. Those are the best kind, right? Yeah. Yeah. When you stumble upon it. I want to ask you about one of the first questions I wrote down, because when you mentioned getting lost in Nepal, in the Himalayas of all places, (laughs) and those four days, you're journaling and you're writing down your, your thoughts what were those four days like, though? And I'm sure it's detailed in the book. Again, tenacity, you don't need to get lost in Nepal to find yourself, but it helps. <laughs> but I just imagine for anybody who goes through that, there's a lot that goes through your mind. Take us there for a second. What was going through your mind and how'd you get through it? All right, let's back up to just before my trek started then. I landed in Kathmandu and I already had my trekking permit. I was going to trek to the Everest base camp. I didn't want to climb the mountain. It's the permit to climb the mountain is $100,000. I wanted to just go and see if I could get to base camp and I'd get to see the climbers. I could see the mountain. Better. Have fun. I land in Kathmandu and Everest has received six feet of snow over the previous four days and they've canceled all trekking permits. So I had designed my trek. I knew exactly where I was going to spend each night, what I was going to do. Man, it was all laid out. I had it done perfect. And all of a sudden, here comes the monkey wrench into the works. And I suddenly had to completely redesign my trip. And so I picked a mountain in the northeastern corner of Nepal called Kenkanjunga. Kenkanjunga is the second highest mountain in Nepal. Huge, beautiful mountain. And so I tried to lay out in one day the next 30 days of being on my trip. Well, you couldn't do that. There's no way I couldn't research it. There wasn't any internet in 1995 like there is today. And so I worked with a travel agent that was there who knew the area. He helped me. He said, you know, this is kind of a dangerous area. I'm not really sure you want to go in there. And I said, right now, I just need to get a trip planned. I need to get it started. I only have so much time. So I land at the end of the bus ride that took me three days to get to where I was going, a little beat up little town called Kavali. 
like an old West stagecoach stop. And right there, I put on my backpack and my four days started. My backpack weighed 60 pounds because I was a photographer. That's what I wanted to go for, an amateur photographer. I've never done anything great with it. I did publish my first book of photography, but this was different. This was going to be a very meaningful cocktail kind of table book that I wanted to come out of this trip. Well, as I took off into the forest, which I was at jungle level at this point, working my way up to tree line, like you see here in Colorado, where the tree line stops. At the end of that first day, I had made so many turns to the left and so many turns to the right and gone up so many hills and down into so many valleys, I couldn't have found my way back out and I had no clue where I was at. I would run across people on the trail that spoke Nepali, but they didn't speak any English. Well, I didn't speak any Nepali, so <laughs> we had a real problem right off the bat, right? And I ended up you know, spending the night with a couple that was along the side of the path and they fed me. They understood their little boy had spoke a little English because he went to a UN school that was nearby. And so I learned that, that I could ask for people along the way. You know, I was trying to get to a town called Top Lejeune, and they gave me a couple words I could say. And I would ask people on, they keep pointing, yes, it's this way, it's this way. Well, for four days, what happened was I was going around in a great big circle around the town I was trying to get to. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, nobody ever told me to make a left. <laughs> it was like an NASCAR race. You're only going left. You can't turn right. Yeah. I was having a lot of fun trying to get to where I was going, but I only had a case of cliff bars with me because I expected there to be tea houses at the end of each day. And I ran out of food. I drank the local water, which made me sick. And I got parasites, which I dealt with for almost six months afterwards. Carrying all of my weight on my backpack, I wore a lot of blisters because I was still at jungle level. And uh, when I take my boots off, I had 11 on my left foot and I had 12 blisters on my right foot and they were, they were bleeding and they were so painful. And I, uh, I cut a, a hunk of bamboo and made myself a walking stick, which helped to some extent. But it was one of those kind of four days where at the end of each day, I had to find a place to spend the night. There wasn't any tea house. I had to find food. I was out of my cliff bars. And I just was lucky to find people along the way, which the book chronicles as to, you know, this is comes back to the spirituality part of all of this, Ted, where you are given what you need when you need it. You know, if yeah. you are in tune with your own intuition and in tune with your spirituality, you know what you need and when you need it. And you, just, I pray, I'm like, you know, I grew up Christian and I pray and I ask for guidance and boy, did I pray on this trip. Because <laughs> every day I needed something new to be able to get me further. Did that answer your question or did I go on too long? No, that definitely answered my question because you put us in that environment of really experiencing, setting up a plan, going to execute the plan. And what happens to so many of us, like Mike Tyson says, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. The snow coming in, changing your plans. And the irony of it, of walking around the city you've been trying to get to the whole time, you were right there the whole time. And I would say that parallels very well to a lot of our listeners where they are in life. And when we talk about no rain, no rainbows, the storm that you're in is probably circling where you're trying to go. And we just can't see it because the storm's too thick and, and the range is coming down. And obviously that experience has 
not only had an impact in your life, but in the book, it continues to impact other people's lives too, being an award winner and all that. So how have you been able to make that experience enhance your life and others moving forward? I know that the trip communication system came about from that. So I'd love for you to talk about what that trip taught you and what you hope some of our listeners can, can take away from that experience. So hopefully they don't have to go to Nepal and get lost. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get that for sure. Using the acronym of TRIP, I think is probably the best way to answer that question because what it took, well, let me back up a little bit. My whole life has been about being tenacious and I didn't know it. Hmm. And you go through experiences like Vietnam where you had to be tenacious, you had to be resilient every single morning, get up and face what was going to happen to you that day. And when I was the same way while I was in Nepal, I had to be resilient every morning, wake up with the excitement of what where I was and what I was doing. And the first night when I stayed with the little family, I got to, they told me that I could sleep out back of their hut and they took me out. It was dark and I had a little lantern on my head and a little boy led me around back. And here is a lean-to with a, about a 1,200 pound water buffalo. And he, he had spread straw next to the water buffalo. And he tells me, you can sleep next to him. He's very warm. <laughs> well, <laughs> not exactly your, you know, your Hyatt or, or your uh, Motel 6, a <laughs> lean-to with a bull. And so when I laid down next to him and I looked up at the night sky, I was really feeling sorry for myself. I had blisters all over my feet. I was sleeping next to a very smelly bull. I was lost. I didn't know how this the whole thing was going to turn out. And then it suddenly dawned on me, wait a minute, you asked for this trip. You came here to find yourself. What are you getting out of it? <laughs> and I burst out laughing in the middle of the night in the dark, you know, looking it up at a million stars. That bull was just sitting there chewing his cud and he's looking at me. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I realized, you know, this is who I am. I have a curiosity. I have a deep need to see the world and experience it. And I need to do it firsthand. I can't do it on a computer. As much as you can travel the world on your computer, and for some people, that's the only way they'll ever get to see things. While I'm physically able, I still want to go do those things. Last year, I went to Antarctica. The year before, I went to Australia. I mean, these are the kinds of things at my age that I want to be able to still do. And I want to be able to throw a 60-pound backpack on my back, and I want to take off into the woods if I can. I don't know if it'd be 60 pounds today, but it... (laughs) 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 Yeah, there you go. So... I learned early on in life that I wasn't going to have a straight line to success and that it was going to be a very jagged line bouncing all over the place until I kind of locked in on the insurance industry. And that really gave me a kind of a roadmap to follow. But even there, I had a contract that said that I had to go through a probationary period of 36 months, my first three years. And during that period of time, I had to take a lot of education and a lot of go out with other people and learn how to sell, et cetera, et cetera. And over those 36 months, if you didn't meet your quota at the end of each month, they gave you what was known as a temporary termination form, which said that you had 30 days to get caught up on the amount of money you were supposed to earn or you were done. Well, over 36 months, I was fired 33 times. 
I didn't meet my quota every month. <laughs> they had to, I had to reinstate at the end of each month 33 times. I learned about being tenacious and resilient without knowing the words. Yeah. But once I discovered the words and developed the trip system, it was like, okay, now it all makes sense. I've been going through this all my life. I just didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. And once I got clear focus, which we all need, and clarity and focus come from meditation. And I meditated a lot on this trip and I still meditate every day. And with clarity and focus, you can find your values and find your strengths. And my strengths lied in the fact that I could be tenacious and I could be resilient. Those were my two boxing gloves, if you will. You mentioned Mike Tyson a few minutes ago. Well, I'm going to get you with a little tenacity and I'm going to get you with a little resilience. That was me. Imagination and purpose came later. Imagination came out of the meditation because I would meditate on a problem. I would meditate and open myself up for the spiritual download that I could get that would help me where, where I was stuck. And then I would get the thing to take action on. And that then all became part of purpose, which was satisfying my clients, satisfying my family, satisfying my own needs. So trip just sort of encompassed everything, but I didn't even know what it was until I discovered it. And I was, I was in my late 50s by that point in time, early 60s. And it just like, holy cow, I've been doing this all along. Well, what can I do with it? Well, then I joined the National Speakers Association. They said, you're going to need a book. Everybody needs a book that speaks. That's what you sell at the back of the room. Oh, okay. Well, I had a manuscript. It was called my journal. Mm-hmm. I turned my journal into my book. Yeah. That's how I told my story about what had happened the whole time that I was lost. And that then brought trip to full circle. That's amazing. And the dots always connect in hindsight. And I think, I'm not going to say, I think I know, I want the listeners and the audience to really take your words to heart because we're able to learn from your experience. And when you talk about the tenacity and you talk about this, the resilience of really life, I think so many people listening to this podcast, they might've clicked on it because they saw no rain, no rainbows. They said, huh, I wonder what that's about. Or they read the description. They heard about overcoming adversity to live your best life. So I can almost guarantee a lot of the listeners, they had to be resilient at some point in their lives. They had to be tenacious at some point in their lives and they might not be aware of the moments that they've had to be that. They might not be aware of the fact that they're still going to have to be resilient and tenacious at some point in time. Get some of that imagination and drive towards their purpose. What advice would you give to the listeners right now who might be in a period of feeling stressed or overwhelmed by the circumstances that they're in? Maybe they're a business owner trying to make a client happy Maybe they're coming home from work and everything at work is fine, but they're coming home and they're fat. The communication, the families might not be there. What would you tell the listener right now dealing with that stress, dealing with the overwhelmingness of just life on how they can probably tap into some of the trip system and improve the quality of their situation or improve the way they're showing up in the situation and hopefully make it through? Boy, you pack a lot into a question. I'm sorry. (laughs) 30 minutes, that's all we got. (laughs) I would say two things. I can boil it down to that, I think, fairly safely. Number one, if they meditate, they will calm themselves down. 
meditation is one of those places where we can all go to. Some people call it prayer. Some people call it just plain meditation. For me, it's just a place to get quiet. People don't often study this kind of science behind this, but there's four levels of brainwave activity. There's beta, alpha, theta, and delta. And beta is where you and I are at right now with an active brain uh, interacting with one another. Alpha is right before where you fall asleep at night. That's where you actually meditate between alpha and theta. And those are the places where once you can get your brainwave activities calmed down, which happens when you close your eyes, take a couple of deep breaths, try to push the thoughts out of your head so that you're not thinking about anything, you gain clarity. And clarity comes about yourself not about others so much. Finding clarity about who you are and where you're going can only come from being quiet and being alone. And today we have so many ways where people are together with social media and other things that they never ever get away from people. And they need to desperately, getting lost in Nepal was the best thing that ever happened to me because I I was all alone. (laughs) But the second thing would be communication is all about love. I don't know if you've had anybody on that's talked about the five love languages and people can Google it. The five love languages are a, a way of discovering who you are and what the language is that you, that you aspire to and that you need in your life for you. Well, there's your spouse or your partner that has their love language that they follow that they need to hear. Because what I say to her or him, whoever you're involved with, They might not need to hear those words. Maybe they need touch or maybe they need a gift or other things. There's the five love languages cover all of those. So communication is all about how you find the love in in yourself and how you give it to other people. Mm -hmm. If you can get quiet and get the clarity to learn how to use your love properly for yourself and for others, you're going to have most of your life go pretty smoothly. Yeah. It's the equivalent of standing in the middle of the storm, taking a deep breath and just letting it all in. Yeah. Recentering yourself, finding out where you got to go and where we're really leading this thing. I want to talk about the amount of things you've been able to accomplish in your life. You started racing bikes at 54, correct? (laughs) Uh, You mentioned going back to school at 54. I think that's so encouraging because, I mean, a lot of the listeners on the podcast, some of the ones I've been able to interact with, they're in their late 20s, early 30s, thinking it's too late to start their lives. Oh, oh. I've already gotten married. I already bought a house. I, you know, it's too late. Speak to that audience really quick. For anyone who thinks it's too late to start their lives or try something new, what would you do to kick them in the, in the rear end and, and, <laughs> and get them going? <laughs> That's where the I, <clears throat> excuse me, the I and trip comes in is imagination. Mm. You need to find your imagination muscle and you need to exercise it regularly. That's where the the meditation comes in. By learning how to exercise your imagination muscle, if you're in business for yourself or if this is just a family problem, I use, over the years, I've used a number of methods and nothing to this is new. There's nothing new in in the world anymore. I use two methods for doing this, the sticky note method and the whiteboard method. And sticky note, I've got a big white, big window next to me here. And I've got all the little sticky notes that I use all the time. And if I have a thought that comes up when I'm talking to somebody up on the window, it goes. Yeah. And so that can be the same way for people to solve a problem or lay out a game plan. 
brainstorming with yourself, your wife, your husband, your colleagues at work, those things all come together better with communication and brainstorming. In brainstorming, the, the rule, the number one rule is there's nothing is a stupid idea. All ideas go up on the board. All ideas go up on the sticky notes, however you do it. In my workshops, I use, if a whiteboard's available, I have people come up when they get an idea and they write it quickly on the whiteboard and then they go sit down. If I use the sticky note method, I have them put it on a sticky note and print it by the end of the workshop, we got stuff plastered all over the place as to how people can communicate better to make their business and their relationships more sincere and grounded. You said grounded as a word a little while ago, and that's a, such a great word because grounded means you know who you are and you know what you're doing and you know where you're trying to get to. But for people that don't think they can get anything new going in their life, their life has just started in their 20s. They've got so much that they can see and do if they plan it. As a financial planner, that's what I helped people accomplish. I made their dreams come true by putting the money where it would be doing the most good so they'd have it to go do it later, whether it was a vacation or an investment or a house, you know, if they wanted to move to another country. I've got friends of mine right now that are all retiring. They're all, I'm that age where all my friends are turning 65 or older, and they're all going and living in other countries. I mean, how, how fun is that? You know, they're this globe is full of things to be able to enjoy. And you just, it's only as far or as big as your imagination will allow it to be. So I would encourage them to just dive in with good imagination and figure out what they want to do. Dream a little, let yourself loose, get out there and play. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think so many people are are afraid to fail or they're afraid to Maybe they're afraid of what their friends would think. They're afraid of their reputation. Or, and I'm, I'm just throwing out uh, some of the common fears that I, I hear from people, right? They sure. get a certain depth in their career, in their family, and they're afraid to let go of the, the house and the, you know, the two cars. And they're afraid to maybe sell one of the cars and risk going to take those dance lessons or those acting classes and things like that. And I mean, we say success leaves clues, but I like the fact that fulfillment also leaves evidence. And you mentioned the sticky notes. I have my sticky notes right here. You mentioned the whiteboard that's right over my right shoulder. And when I interview so many people, for anyone who's been following the podcast for an extended period of time, they've heard about meditation. They've heard about journaling. They've heard about some of these practices that you mentioned. And I'd say that is the evidence of some of the things that can help us live a fulfilled life. And I I say fulfilled because I know some people's ambition isn't necessarily financial and some people's ambition isn't necessarily a successful career. It might just be being there with their kids on a Thursday night, reading a book to put them to bed. Without a doubt. And that is something I want every single listener to enjoy is the full benefits of their version of success and fulfillment. Now you mentioned speaking and your love and your joy of speaking and sharing your story. And when you're on stage and you interact with people, what impact do you hope to have on on some of those people's lives, the folks that come to see you speak when they hear about your experiences? What do you hope they take away from that? Clarity. Yeah. I think it boils down to just that one word. I want them to be clear about what their goals are. When I would sit down with somebody to do their financial plan, that's one of the first questions I would ask them. And it's often funny because the husband or the wife have different goals. And it's not a railroad track. Two people going side by side parallel. (laughs) Man, is it divergent. They're all over the place. And 
So when I have an audience that's in front of me, I oftentimes bring somebody up on the stage with me and we work together to overcome and to brainstorm and to play. And I have an exercise where I hold a girl, hold a, um, a ball that's deflated. Excuse me. I have her hold a medicine ball first. And a medicine ball weighs 12 pounds. And I have her hold it out in front of her. And we talk for a while and we talk and I'm talking about what I'm wanting people to do. And I know I'd say, so is that medicine ball starting to feel a little heavy? And she'd say, my goodness, it's felt heavy for several minutes. I said, okay, we'll set it down and pick up this uh, deflated ball and let's put a pump in it. And I said, I want you to, every time we get a word from the audience, I want you to give a stroke of air and fill this pump up. And I said, okay, let's figure that this is our problem. And we're trying to solve it. So how can, what can we fill this empty ball with? And I wanted things like creativity and imagination and brainstorming. And she just keep pumping with every word that the audience was falling out. And suddenly we got a ball that will bounce with resilience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she uh, suddenly understands that it's only a container. If you don't fill it up with the right stuff, it's not going to function for you. Yeah. Well, that's us. If we don't, fill ourselves up with the right stuff. Our container's empty. You got to fill it up with all kinds of ideas and goals and fun things to go do. And, you know, you can have a blast in life if you just get clarity and look for all of the options that you have available to you. Yeah. It's never too late to chase that dream or what's the quote? I think Albert Einstein says, it's never too late to become what you could have been or should have been. And the world is full of possibilities from racing bikes, racing cars, snowboarding (laughs) on the side of a mountain to getting lost in Nepal. I'd say you very much so have experienced a lot of it. And as we said before the podcast, Keith, I think you're just getting started. I wouldn't be surprised (laughs) if you call me two weeks from now and say, Ted, I'm starting a Twitch channel. I'm I'm a professional gamer now. (laughs) 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 You never can tell. But the possibilities, I think, is what so many people need to embrace, because when we talk about storms in our lives and we talk about difficult times, I think we're so locked in a limiting space that we don't fully embrace the fact that the sun will be coming out, the rainbows will shine, and there is more of a road to walk. I'd love for our audience to get some guidance on that path, on that road, connect with you, get your book see some of the speaking engagements. I know you have a YouTube channel sharing a lot of of tips as well. How can folks get in touch with you, get in contact with you and get some of your work? Oh, well, as you said, when you and I talked off air before we started, I'm a social media maven. I'm just a nut about it. I, you know, between YouTube and LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook, Twitter's, eh, don't care for Twitter, but you can find me almost anywhere as long as you know how to spell my last name. And it's Renanson, but it's it's got four ends in it. So I tell people it's like an old two-cycle motor engine. It's Renanson. So it's R-E-N-N-I-N-S-O-N.com, KeithRenanson.com. Everything's on there. You can buy the book on there. You can go to Amazon and find it on there. And my link for Facebook and for Instagram are both on there too. So that's probably one-stop shopping with the website. Yeah, no, I love that. And I'll definitely have the link in the show notes so folks can go right to that. And that will lead to all the other links as well. But Keith, I just want to say thank you for for your story, for the trip system, the trip communication system that I hope a lot of our, our listeners can also utilize as well to help them in their lives. And just thank you for your energy. 
and your time today because it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I knew when you came on the screen with that big smile that we were going to have fun today. <laughs> and I really appreciate your attitude and how you, you run your show. You really do a great job. Thank you very much for including me. Yeah, absolutely. It's an honor. It's a pleasure, Keith. And uh, I'm actually going to recap some of the gems and tidbits you left along the way for our listeners as we wrap things up, because you, you started with the words that we live by. And when you mentioned those words, the tenacity, the resilience, the imagination, the purpose, I think it reads so well through your story. The importance of journaling, something I started and I, I will admit right now on the podcast, I fell off on journaling for quite some time and I've noticed my life has been a little out of whack recently. So it's time to pick up that habit again. And when folks journal, I think what gets in the way is they'll journal for five minutes and they give up or they journal for five minutes and say it doesn't really do anything. Try sitting down for 45 minutes in an hour. Let the first junk in the first 10 minutes get out. And then when you get past that, your mind will start putting things on paper. You'll be surprised that's coming out of you. So please do yourself a favor, sit down and journal for more than just five minutes. Give yourself 45 minutes to an hour to experience that. And you're given what you need when you need it. I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe God, the universe, everything conspires to give you what you need when you need it. If you're stepping in the direction of your purpose, if you're competently going where you want to go, all the resources you have are within you and around you, and they're available. You just need to take that walk. Also, finding clarity and focus in what you're doing. Keith mentioned the importance of meditation, being alone, being with yourself, getting rid of the noise, turning off the notifications from your phone, put it on silence, do not disturb, and give yourself some time to enjoy yourself. And of course, find that clarity in life and exercise your imagination. There are so many possibilities out there, folks. I don't want anyone listening or watching to feel limited by what's ahead. You have a limitless future. You have so many possibilities and so many things to try, become, and do, and it's right at your doorstep. Thank you so much for listening. And Keith, thank you again for sharing your story with us today. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. To the listeners making it to the end, we appreciate you. And we would definitely appreciate if you would share this with a friend that you think can get value from it. Hit that like button and hit the subscribe button to get a new episode each and every single week. And of course, leave us a rating to let us know how we're doing. We would love any feedback so we can continue to make this podcast better. And if you really love it and enjoy it and you want to support the podcast monetarily, you can do so for as little as $1 a month on our Patreon page. You can hear extra audio from guests like Keith and others. And of course, as we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's go.